sin requires serious repentance. He was able to pour out his spirit on us in ways in which you know, we had never experienced before, and I quite frankly haven't experienced since. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle Reno, here with Bill Eliff, and we're honored to host and really, honestly, hopefully help you. Help you see some things that the Lord is showing us and teaching us uh, to see God awaken in our nation a desire, a real desire for revival and awakening in our land because we're, we have a tendency to miss it. Uh, yeah. We have a tendency to miss what God desires to do. We have a tendency to miss it in life. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think I know you well enough to know, Bill, and I've heard yeah. enough stories that there's been some moments where you thought you're killing it. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm on point here to later find out or in the middle of, I'm actually missing it. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I one of the funniest things that ever happened to me. I used to travel with Life Action Ministries. We go into churches and do these two week meetings. Incredible ministry. And uh, one of the reasons they liked me is I was a utility guy. I could preach. I could do music. I could right. play the keyboard. So one night we were having a testimony service that ended up <laughs> going about two or three hours. Right. And I'm over at the keyboard just. You know, diddling around, That's just right. trying, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I I kind of play this little run, and I think, man, that is beautiful. That's Thank the, you, Lord. That's the Lord. You know, that's just so beautiful. <laughs> and then I added a little something, and uh-huh. it just got it just got better. It's coming together, man. I mean, I You're thought, like King David. The like spirit I'm of the Lord has come on. I'm you. writing the Hallelujah chorus right here, <laughs> and and I kept playing, and I looked over at my wife, and I'm just I'm wrapped up. <laughs> And she, my wife was on the front row, and she's going, like, she can do, she's yeah, she's stop give it. me the stop it sign, yeah. you know. And I say, no, I'm, I'm in it, man. Girl. Yeah. And I look back, and she keeps, you know, mouthing me, stop, stop, stop. I was playing the theme song to The Littlest Mermaid. <laughs> Ariel's <laughs> and, walked into yeah, the room. <laughs> and it had been the kids, you know, had it on the car. Oh, that is And awesome. I just got it in my head, but. I was I was a fool. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, you, you're in the zone, and everybody else is, and they're yeah. visualizing Sebastian. And, and somebody's up at the microphone sharing a testimony. Yeah, crying, just crying, and yeah. and everything. Look. So yeah, that that happens to me on a regular basis. Honestly, well, join the crew. Right, we've all been there before, and you see, and when as we're looking at, even in these moments in the book of Joshua and the journey mm-hmm. that God is awakening a generation. Sadly, uh, they have a moment where they miss it. Yeah. And they have yeah. a moment where they give themselves. And I know the Lord's shown you some things in this text of scripture around that. So right. walk us into it. Uh, there are times you just miss it. And and the tragedy is if you don't learn from that and turn around and, and find out what God is trying to say to you, you're in trouble. Here's Joshua, as we've been studying, and uh, he's he's been with a group of people who totally missed it, who wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and died and never got to go into the promised land because they just missed God, and they thought they were doing the right thing. So they come into uh, uh, the promised land. They uh, have the battle at Jericho. It's a huge success, and on the heels of that, they miss it at a little place called Ai. And uh, I think as we are praying for the next generation, 
to engage in a movement and see a great movement of revival and spiritual awakening. There's some things we've got to learn about that, and there's some things we need to teach the next generation and help them experience. And I want you to just listen just for a moment at what Joshua chapter 6 says about that. God said about Ai, about, excuse me, about Jericho, he said this in verse 17 of Joshua 6, the city shall be under the ban. And what that means is these things you're not to touch. They are devoted to me. All that belongs in the, all of that belongs to the Lord. And, uh, and then he says this, all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and they're to go in the treasury of the Lord. And then down in verse seven, verse, chapter 7, verse 1, he says, but the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. And we know from history's perspective that one man, Achan, stole something. Now, this is really a fascinating passage, and it, it shows us some things we've got to deal with if we're going to experience revival and awakening. First of all, we've got to teach the next generation to honor God with the first. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God had a special instruction for Jericho that he didn't give for other cities. And he says, look, this city uh, and all it contains is the first of many cities. And there's a principle with God. And the principle is the first things always belong to me. God has continually come from Genesis to Revelation, and he teaches this principle of the first or the tithe. It literally means the 10%. It means that this is holy to the Lord. And there's some reasons why God has done that, because he wants to con us to constantly remember, if, if he provides for us, I want the first. If, if uh, there was a great harvest uh, in Old Testament times, the first belongs to me. And on and on, this, it's, a, it's not just a duty, it is a principle of God that reminds us that everything belongs to him and everything comes from him. So it's a very, very important principle. And God's very serious about this because he knows if we don't get this principle of the first, we won't get the principle of the rest, right? So all of it belongs to God. And God says, every time I bless you, I want you to give me the first. Well, they violated that, right? They didn't give God the tithe. They didn't honor him with what he had provided for them. And by the way, can I just give a little parentheses in here? That principle is still true. That's why God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. If you don't do that, you're robbing me, right? And if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, just test me in this, Malachi says, I'll open the windows of heaven and provide for you. But if you don't, there are repercussions too. So we need to remember this principle of the first, honoring God from the first. Well, this next generation that Joshua's trying to raise up, the old generation had died out, hadn't received the promises. This new generation, he's just starting out fresh. They're in Jericho, and they fail right off the bat by not honoring God from the first. And look what it says further. 
Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Now, this was a little teeny town, all right? They had just experienced this massive win at Jericho. Now they see this little town that they need to conquer. And uh, it says uh, that Joshua told them, go up and spy out the land. They went up and they returned and said, don't let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go down to Ai. Uh, they're just few. So they went up to Ai and it was a rout. I mean, they got totally and completely defeated. Now, again, God's trying to raise up a next generation. And he's teaching them first, honor God from the first. And secondly, trust God with the smallest. Trust God with the smallest. Now look at this. Remember what happened before Jericho? The captain of the hosts of the Lord, which was Christ, I believe, incarnate, uh, in a pre-incarnate state, uh, came to Joshua. He told him the instructions. Joshua bowed down. He said, yes, sir. They got up, and in the smallest details, they did exactly what God said, and they had a great victory, and guess who got all the glory for that? God. Now they come to Ai. This is just this little thing in their lives, and they didn't even consult God. There's no prayer. There's no listening. There's no, God, what do you want us to do here? Uh, What they were saying is, we got this. We can handle this. We're good. And the result was there was nothing about God in this experience at AI. If they had won, all the glory would have gone to them and not God. Here's the principle. God is interested in every single detail of the common day. He wants you in unceasing prayer. And the pathway to spiritual success for us and for the next generation, is to learn to live from every word that comes from the mouth of God. In fact, he says in in Numbers 14 and Deuteronomy 8, this is the whole reason I let you wander and die in the wilderness, is so that you would learn something, that you would learn that I'm interested in every detail. I want you talking to me about every detail, and obeying me in every detail, because this is a path to incredible uh, victory. Now, listen to this. If we won't trust God with the smallest, we'll discover that we will not trust God with the largest, right? And, and you got to just realize that what God's doing all the time is, is raising up a generation. He's raising up a holy people, uh, a peculiar people unto him that will show the world and all of the heavenly hosts who God is and what his created beings are to be like. And he's trying to conform us to the image of his son. So God knows that a small thing can destroy you if he's not with you, if he's not leading you. And he also wants a relationship with you that's all day long all day long, just trusting him about everything. I know in an extraordinary movement of God that happened in our church in 2011 that I've told about and that started with a a Sunday morning service that just went beyond the 12 o'clock hour and lasted for three hours and we came the next night and lasted for five weeks every night. 
just a little mercy drop of what happens in times of revival and spiritual awakening. And one of the marks of that was we were just talking to him all day long because we didn't want to quench the spirit. We didn't want to stop what God was doing. So raising up a generation who will walk with God and cooperate with God in revival, we've got to help them see that you honor God from the first and that you trust him with the smallest. And then there's one more thing that's really critical, and it's seen in how Joshua responded to this judgment from God. So when they came back and they reported that they'd been routed before the little little village of Ai, Joshua, the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 7, tore his clothes, he fell on his face before God from morning till evening, both he and the elders, all the leaders, they put dust on their heads. And here's his prayer. Alas, O Lord God, why did you bring us over the Jordan only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites? What can I say, Lord? And he's just crying out to God, God, what are you doing? What's going on here? And the Lord in verse 10 said, Joshua, get up. (laughs) I love that. Just rise up. Why is it you've fallen on your face? Israel, here's the problem. Well, it's Hollywood is the problem. Or, no, it's the government that's the problem. No, here's the problem, he says. Israel has sinned. They've sinned. And they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they've taken some things under the ban, and they've stolen and deceived. And they've put those things with their own things. It's a selfish thing they've done. So they can't stand before their enemies because I'm not with them. And then he says, I want you to rise up, consecrate the people, and we're going to take care of this sin problem. So here's the third truth. We must teach the next generation to repent before God to the fullest. Now, we can sit around all we want to and blame what's happening in our nation right now on everybody else and everything else. But the problem is, honestly, we've sinned. I mean, just take the issue of not honoring God from the first of all that we've had. We've, we've sinned against God. We've stolen things that belong to God. We've, we've gone our way. We've not lived by every word that proceeds of the, out of the mouth of God. We've not listened to his word. We've not prayed. I mean, we just go on and on. We're not sharing Christ with other people. Serious sin requires serious repentance. And so what you see with Joshua, who gives us a model of the repentance that leads to revival among a people, is he turned to God immediately in prayer, right? He said, Lord, I'm not going to listen to my own heart or everybody else's heart about what the problem is. I want to know what your evaluation of the problem is. So he turned to God. He appealed on the basis of God's name. Lord, we don't want your name and your glory to be blasphemed. So for your name's sake, tell us what to do. God answered, as he always does, and, he, and God told him to stand up and lead the people to real genuine repentance. And you know what's beautiful? When you repent fully, you can be restored fully. And that's exactly what happened uh, in this moment. So. As we think, Kyle, about the coming revival right. uh, and the, the role of the next generation mm-hmm. and the role 
our role of leading the next generation, we've got to pay attention to these things, Mm -hmm. and then we've got to lead them in the same exact same way. Yeah, Yeah, repentance has to be modeled. Yeah. You know, like to see, I I remember one of the greatest gifts God gave me early in my faith at 19 years old was to be around some godly men Mm -hmm. that had learned how to be quick repenters. Yeah. To yeah. see, you know, like, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. Right. That action was wrong. That behavior, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And they took it vertical. And if it had impacted others, they asked for forgiveness mm-hmm. there. And I mean, we're, we live in a broken world and we're broken people. Yeah. You know? and, and we got a lot that needs to be repented of. And, you know, when you see a man do that. Yeah. My father did that. Yeah. My, my father repented. And on multiple occasions and, and many times. To me, right. ask my forgiveness. Right. You know what? It, mo- it models humility. Right. It models uh, just the grace of God. Yeah. Everything you want to teach your children. Yeah. Right. When a father repents in front of his children, oh, yeah. it teaches those things. When a godly leader right. says, hey, I just blew it, yeah. church, and right. please forgive me, uh, and let's get back on track, right. yeah. then uh, everything we need to know is wrapped up in that That's kind right. of repentance. Right. Yeah, as always, we want to take a few moments here and hear from somebody what's happening out there right now, a leader in the country and a voice that God's raising. Uh, So let's take a few moments and hear a testimony. Well, I love to hear stories of the movement of God in individual hearts, but also on a larger scale in churches collectively. And I've served in revival ministry, many of you know, for over four decades. And there's a few times or seasons where God has simply touched down and with his um, uh, presence and just tabernacle, tabernacled there. And um, especially in some churches and communities. And one of those, as I reflect back over the tenure of my revival ministry, was in Fort Worth, Texas. I believe it was 1988. And our sister ministry, Life Action, brought a team in, was scheduled to be there for two weeks. And all I can say is we could not abort what God was doing. Story after story after story of lives being changed, relationships healed, and dramatic deliverances of addictions, and on and on the list goes. But more than that, there were those moments of just God saturating that place. I remember a famous prayer leader by the name of T.W. Hunt flew in from Nashville in order to just visit what God was doing during those ultimately six weeks. And he said he walked in the doors and immediately the conviction of God was so overwhelming. He literally fell on his face right there in the aisle and just wept before God as God was meeting with him. And so today, I am so thrilled to actually have Ray Stone with us. Ray and Kathy, his wife, were there. And was it 1988, Ray? Is that correct? It was 1988. The fall. 1988, in the fall. And you were there when God moved so dramatically over those seasons of weeks. And uh, just maybe today, Ray, you're in Waco, Texas. Is that right? You're not a pastor. What do you do? I market annuities. You market annuities. Annuities, yep. Wow, I'm in the good. annuity business. That's great. And you're in business and technology, I know, during the past since those days. 
So what was it like? I mean, you were a member, you were coming to church Sunday after Sunday. You heard about this team called Life Action was going to come to Birchman Baptist Church and you were sitting there. What went through your heart and mind? Tell us a little bit. I remember when, when uh, they came for the, the pre-summit and they started talking about revival and that they were coming in for a two-week revival. And, you know, my, I had gone to lots of revivals as a child you know, tons of revivals, winter, spring, summer, fall. And I didn't need one, you know, in, in my mind, a revival was a, it's an event, what is really a, an evangelistic crusade. It was an opportunity to bring your lost friends to church. And I, and I remember thinking, I don't need that, especially two solid weeks of it. And we're, we're not talking just, you know, like Sunday through Wednesday, we're talking Sunday through Sunday through Sunday. And so I didn't need it. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were very active there. We were there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, af- after the, the pre-summit, when they, they started talking about them coming, you know, we made a commitment. We're going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, then uh, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and so forth. But uh, after the first day, we just, we, we couldn't stay away, really. Uh, I actually made a mistake and planned a business trip during the first week. I was there for the first two or three days. They had to be gone for three days. And uh, my wife was going with the kids every night. And and I was I was in Jacksonville, Florida. I, I kept calling. I, I wouldn't go to bed at night until she got home and told me what God had done that night. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, we, people ask what happened. You know, the easiest thing for me to say is, well, God showed up, which doesn't really make sense if we believe in an omnipresent God. But what really happened was that God got a hold of his people's hearts and we did business with God and, and he was able to pour out his spirit on us in ways in which, you know, we had never experienced before. And I quite frankly, haven't experienced since. Tell us maybe a couple other stories that you remember uh, even beyond you and and Kathy at the moment um, that that took place there that you just said, wow, this is unusual. Well, I think a, a little bit, what I'd like to do, like to say though, is, you know, I had a I had an interpretation of what a revival was. Okay. My my definition has changed, and my definition now is that revival is when we come to a point in our spiritual life where we see ourselves as God sees us. Wow. And we realize that there are things between us and God that we have to deal with, and sometimes it's with, with other people, with family members or or spouses or what have you. And what happened to us happened corporately. So there were a lot of people that were dealing with things in their lives so that they could deal with that right relationship with Jesus Christ. A mm-hmm. um, couple of stories. There was, there was one guy who was a dentist and probably at least 10, 20% of the church went to him as their dentist. And he came before the church and he had to confess to the church because a lot of, a lot of his patients were, were church members. Mm-hmm. He had cheated on, on uh, his exams in college and he, he took his, his, his uh, diploma sent it back to Baylor University, the Board of Regents, and said, I, haven't, I didn't earn this, I didn't deserve this, was willing to give up his livelihood. And you wonder why? Well, because his relationship with Jesus Christ meant more to him than even being able to keep his livelihood. We had another guy who hadn't filed his income taxes for five years and confessed that to the church, said, I got to go to the IRS and confess this, and they're probably going to throw me in jail, and was seeking prayer from the church when he did that. Of course, the IRS worked it out. Throwing him in jail wouldn't have made any sense, but but he, why was he willing to do that? He'd gotten away with it. Both of these guys had gotten away with what they've been doing. But they, they couldn't continue down the path they were going. 
without going back and dealing with these things because they were hindering the relationship with Jesus Christ. And we think of Rick, our mutual friend, and he was working, I believe, at General Dynamics. Is that correct? And had falsified his application mm-hmm. and uh, confessed. And and he was confident because he had high security clearance, I guess, into the uh, facility. And he was convinced they were going to fire him. But they so respected his integrity to come clean and to come forward, they literally put his desk outside this high high security room and worked outside in the hallway because now they trusted him. And um, what a, and I think too, he was the one that returned some stolen goods from the Oklahoma State University bookstore, uh, I don't know, calculator and some books and asked forgiveness. And it ended up being republished, that story, not only in the school newspaper, but the Oklahomian. And then ultimately, he told me, I I was sitting on an airplane in Philadelphia, getting ready to take off. I opened up USA Today and saw my name. They (laughs) re-communicated his story of clearing his conscience uh, for stealing. So those kind of stories, I mean, it's like, those are really little things, aren't they? But I love what you said, Ray. It was stood between them and God. But it, it wasn't it wasn't just a few. I mean, that's what I think really happened was it was it was corporately across the church. And there were a lot many stories like our story didn't didn't become public at that point in time. But it was God dealing with us and with our relationship with one another. Uh, I, I do have to tell my favorite story, though, and that's with my daughter, because our children were learning the same things that we were learning mm-hmm. about revival. And, and she she came to my wife uh, during the first week when I was on that on the business trip. And she said, Mom, I've got to go to my my first. She was in the second grade. She had to go to my first grade teacher and confess that I cheated in the first grade. And my wife said, well, if you really feel like you need to do that, go ahead. So she did. She went, Kathy went with her the next morning. They went in and she confessed, I'm sorry, I get choked up when I hear this one, but I tell this one. She confessed to her first grade teacher, whom we don't believe was a believer, and said, I cheated on these tests, and, and I need to confess that to you. She was learning the same things we were, but her relationship with Jesus Christ meant more to her than holding on to that. And, when, of course, the teacher was gracious, gracious and offered, offered her forgiveness. And, and then Jennifer looked at her teacher and says, what do I do now? And the teacher said, what do you mean? You know, I, I forgive you. I, I accept your apology. She said, well, don't I need to go back to the first grade? And even in her mind, she realized she was willing to give up staying in the second grade because her relationship to Jesus Christ meant more to her than, than being able to stay in the second grade. And, mm-hmm. and she was willing to face whatever ridicule or, or harassment she might have gotten to have to go back to the first grade. Because she came to the point in her life, her spiritual life, where her relationship with Jesus Christ meant more to her mm. than being able to stay in the first grade mm. or second grade. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, that brings me to that passage in Revelation that um, revival is really just uh, returning to your first love and that first love of that relationship with Christ. And then I guess it's, it's just uh, demonstrated uh, through the various applications that you just described and defined. And, and Ray, I think you remember this because this, this is when I first heard your story, I'm almost certain. But uh, uh, Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth now on our staff and myself and one other staff member, I don't know, I think it was 18 months maybe after uh, God had moved. Uh, we just wondered when God moves like that, are they really... Uh, 
just temporary decisions or do they last? So we flew to Fort Worth. I remember I can visualize the room that we were in. And one by one, I don't know, some 20 different individuals or couples for 30 minute slots came in and we just began to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And there was a lady, a godly lady in your church. And I remember she was about 14th or 15th or whatever, way down the line of our interviews. And when we started to say, uh, tell us what lasted, she stopped us immediately and looked at us confused and bewildered and said, don't you know, revival is not just an emotional touch. It's a complete takeover. And that's what I loved about all those stories from your church when God moved and manifested his presence in a corporate collective way. And one of those complete takeovers uh, truly was you and Kathy. Mm -hmm. And I, I would love to know where God found you. I want our listeners to hear where God found you. And you shared a little bit of that. You're a churchgoer, you were busy, but in your own hearts, where did God find you as you begin to go through that process of honesty and humility and holiness and purity and God's grace and forgiveness and all those components of revival? Uh, maybe just share with our audience, where did God find you? Well, it, it, it goes back to the first night. Mm -hmm. And Del Fazenfeld was uh, the speaker, the founder of Life Action. And uh, he was talking about marriage. Mm -hmm. And he, I don't remember what scripture reference he used. I don't remember what, you know, what was said through most of the sermon. But he said he made one statement. And that statement was, there should never, ever, ever, be any secrets between a husband and wife. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. It wasn't audible, but it, it might as well have been. And, and he said, Ray, you know that he's talking to you, right? And I said, yeah, Lord, I, I, I know that. I, I get that. I understand that. But you, you, can't, you can't expect me to share my secret. You know, my secret's from four years ago. And it's, it's, it was wrong, and I confessed it to you, and over and over again, and I had repented from it. And he said, uh, "He said, yeah, but you still need to confess it." And I said, "I, I made, did something really stupid. I used scripture towards God, and I quoted First John one nine: If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness." And the Holy Spirit said to me, "Yeah, Ray, but you didn't confess it to the person you sinned against." And uh, when the service was over, I just kept my my mouth shut. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. I can't do that because if I share with my wife, this relationship that I was involved with four years earlier, it's going to blow my marriage apart and I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my kids, everything I'd ever worked for. And, uh, I couldn't do it. You know, this was something I had to carry to the grave and the service was over and Kathy turned to me and she said, I need you to go call your mom, see if she can meet you at the house, take the kids home. And I said, why? What's going on? She says, I've got to go talk to the pastor. Something I've got to deal with. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's 20 minutes home, 20 minutes to get the kids in bed. 20, it's an hour before I'm back. And she said, I don't care. You need to do this. And I said, okay, fine. So I went and called my mom. My mom was gracious, met, met me over at the house. And the whole way home, I wondered, what's going on? What is she dealing with? Couldn't be anything as bad as what I did. And uh, when I got back, uh, we ended up pulling around behind. There was a softball field behind the church. We'd pull around behind it. We stopped and parked. And, and she began to share with me 
what she had gone through four years previous in a relationship outside of our marriage. So let me pause just for a moment here, right? And as I, as I hear you, God had been convicting your heart about a wrong relationship and you had no clue that God was doing something similar in Kathy's heart. And so God was working in her heart, bringing intense conviction, all in the context of this bigger uh, outpouring of the Spirit of God and His presence. And and had you uh, not even organized or planned or anything, but as God in His sovereignty and goodness brought you together here at this park to begin sharing with each other. So I want to pick up on our next podcast for right there. And I can't wait for our viewers and our folks to be able to hear how God brought that situation uh, to a glorious, glorious ending. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. It it starts right here. (laughs) I I can't live off somebody else's repentance. And so, as always, we want to take a moment and encourage you, join us as we pray. Don't just hear us pray. Let's, let's ask the Lord to speak. I'll start us off, and Bill, you can close us okay. up. Lord, we love you. And just turn the light on. Uh, mm-hmm. Lord, uh, there's things, even listening to Bill, uh, there's moments that we've all missed following you, obeying you. Lord, that we've stepped outside of your commandments. God, we've stepped outside of, Lord, those mm-hmm. good boundaries that you've placed for our life. And so help us to see that, uh, Lord. Help us to get beyond the things that's easy to see. Mm-hmm. Help us to get to the motives behind. God, I, I pray that repentance would happen, a turning would happen in the deepest level of your sons and daughters, mm-hmm. that repentance would happen at the deepest level possible mm-hmm. for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America. Mm-hmm. God, so that freedom, <laughs> Lord, that you're not trying to hurt us, Mm-hmm. In our repentance, you're trying to heal us. That's right. So, God, I ask that that work would happen. And, Father, uh, we we just think about what biblical repentance is. It's returning. Yeah. It's just we, we've gotten off track somewhere, and the Lord loves us enough mm-hmm. like he did this next generation in, in uh, Joshua's day mm-hmm. to, uh, to withhold his hand, mm-hmm. to bring judgment or some discipline mm-hmm. and say, hey, guys, I love you. There's a better path, and I want to accelerate my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so you need to get back on the road to that. Right. And, and Father, for the church, that's called revival, we know. And for those without Christ, it's repentance of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, I, I pray for this spirit of repentance uh, to just permeate across the United States, even around the world, Lord, coming off of all kinds of things that we're experiencing in a world that's desperately uh, walked away from you. Lord, bring us back by your grace. We can't orchestrate. There's not a podcast or sermons in the world to do that. But, Father, your spirit knows mm-hmm. every single issue in every single part. So, Spirit of God, convince us of sin and of your righteousness and coming judgment, Lord, if we don't repent and and just show us those things. And then, gracious Holy Spirit, Mm. lead us to turn around Mm. and to deal with our sin your way so that we might see 
not only just a return to joy and life for us personally, but Father, we can get back on on track Mm. to reaching the world for Christ Mm. and advancing the kingdom of God. So that's the prayer of our hearts, and we pray it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, thank you for joining us uh, today, and I'd encourage you, man, pass this along. Uh, Help us spread what God is saying and what he's always said to others, like it, pound it, noggin, see you kind of stuff. (laughs) Get it out there for us. So we're grateful, and we look forward to seeing you in the future right here.